Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. <laughs> wow, not with a roar, but with a whimper. What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And we are coming to you live from the internet with the most flawless streams, the most flawless tech. Nothing goes wrong ever. Now, uh, I'm broadcasting. That's a kiss of death. I'm broadcasting from a tree, and my Wi-Fi is better. <laughs> yeah, what's that like? Are you just like picking fruit off of there, or what's going on? Right yes, now? exactly. This is one of those trees that has all sorts of fruit. Like, look at this. This is um, a fat tire. Wow. Right out of this tree. So okay, exciting. Oh, weird. Yeah, I have one of those trees over here too. I'm just gonna pick a uh, Brooklyn. East IPA off of that. Nice. I, nice. I don't drink from trees, so uh, I'm, I'm reaching for a cooler here, and I got a little bit of the champagne of beers. Wow, so jealous of that. Wow. Also, Alex totally on brand with an old timey radio over his head. Yeah, <laughs> living that. Uh, yeah, this is actually it's not just an old timey radio; it's also a record player. Wow, Ooh. Turner Classic Movies in human form <laughs> strikes again. <laughs> Uh, by the way, before we went live, Pete was telling you to turn your hat backwards so you look cooler. And I just want to right. mention, you didn't turn your hat backwards. You didn't listen to him. But over on YouTube, the first comment from Danny Ali is cool hat Justin. Boom. That is the, the go Bills, obviously. Oh, uh, wow. I'm close to the, <laughs> home, Bills. the homeland of the Buffalo Bills. Mm-hmm. Uh, latitudinally and attitudinally. Um <laughs> But yeah, this hat is this hat is spot on. Keep that nice. brim flat. <laughs> uh, now, folks, we have a great show for you as always this week. We have two amazing guests. I'm going to welcome the first one into the stream, and then hopefully you should pop right in there. But to give him a little bit of introduction, he is the creator of an independent comic called Foot Fist Frankenstein. Which, when I heard the name, I thought 
There's a comic for Pete LePage. Ladies and gentlemen, Todd yeah. Kelly. Hey. Yeah. What's up, guys? What's happening? Hey, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, you are based in Chicago. Is that right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I live in the Ukrainian village section of Chicago. Oh, wow. I do oh, downtown. Like, I didn't yeah. even know there was a Ukrainian village section of Chicago. I assure you it exists because when I go to the corner store, everyone speaks Russian. Oh. So. There, I just wow. point and say, I want bread. And that's what I get. <laughs> Maybe you're in that movie with John Travolta from the oh, early wow. 90s, the one where wow. they get sent to an American village, but it's actually in the middle of Russia. I'm blanking on the name of it. but yeah. It, Oh, yeah. That's where the kid can't catch the football. That's the test. Yeah. Like, because when, the, when they get relocated by the CIA, he's yeah. like, hmm, I don't know. And he throws the football. And the kid just catches it. He's like, yep, we're in America, you know. <laughs> The experts. Kevin, the uh, movie buff, knows it. Yeah, he is the expert in movies. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. As I was saying during the intro, uh, when we found out about your book, Foot Fist Frankenstein, I immediately thought, okay, there is a book for Pete LePage, one of our hosts, uh, who likes feet, likes fists, likes Frankensteins most of the time. It's all right there. Yeah, it's all right there, the title. Uh, What was your inspiration for the book? Where did the idea come from? Well, the idea from the book came uh, really from uh, two main areas. Um, first, I'd, I'd be reading like Hulk comic books, and I sort of would notice that the Incredible Hulk doesn't really know how to fight. The Hulk is just really tough and just kind of shows up, and just that's how the Hulk wins. He just gets stronger and tougher. And I was like, man, you know, like I kind of wish the Hulk could actually throw a punch or something like, like it'd be cool to see that. Right. Like, cause he has no yeah. skill. You look at someone like Batman, who's like a weapons master and a fight master who's trained everything, but he's just like a regular person. And I was like, it'd be cool to have somebody like that tough and strong, like the Hulk, but they could fight like, like Bruce Lee or somebody like that. Yeah. And, and then sort of that's the segue over. Cause like, I. You know, I was born in 72, so I'm a kid of, like, you know, the late 70s and 80s, like, watching TV back in the day. So the things that were always on was, um, you know, horror movies, either Hammer Horror movies or Universal Monster movies. I was always reading a ton of comic books. And then the other thing that was always on, because it was, like, the late 70s, early 80s, was Kung Fu Theater, American Ninja, or Bruce Lee movies, right? Yeah, American Ninja. The most ridiculous show Kasugi stuff existed. Oh, yeah. Or you yeah, got like yeah. Chuck Norris in the Octagon, which is a lot of like inner monologue of like, I will kill him. Yes. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Lots yeah. of villains with eye patches. It's a it's a good time. It's a good I time. saw the video and I was really impressed. I was like, what a great idea. It's like like a badass Frankenstein who knows Kung Fu. Like I loved it. Yeah, I mean that was that was sort of the 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 the, the nucleus of, of the concept of like you know take somebody big, strong, and tough, and then give them all that training that you see in every like martial arts movie of like the guy going up the steps carrying blocks of ice and smack you know, all that stuff. Yeah, and and then really seeing what you can do, like like sort of setting them like loose and be like, man, what if Bruce Lee was eight foot tall and you know, was tougher than Wolverine and could like punch through solid steel. Like, I want to see that. So I got the idea of like, Hey, that'd be cool. What if like the Hulk knew Kung Fu? 
And of course, you know, it's not like Marvel, you know, comics is taking my phone calls like, hey, uh, I got a great idea. And they're like, sure thing, kid. It's like, no, no. <laughs> so that's when I decided to like sort of do my own thing. And I wanted still some sort of record, like something people could recognize very easily and like digest. And I really started looking at the Hulk, like what's the Hulk what is the Hulk made of? And the Hulk is like one part Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and the other part Frankenstein. So I was like, well, mm. Frankenstein, the Frankenstein monster, that's in the public domain so anybody can use it. So I was like, I took that name recognition and idea. That way I don't have to explain to somebody like in super long detail about like, well, no, he's big and he's strong, but he's a martial artist and, you know it's easier just to say it's like, well, it's a Kung Fu Frankenstein. Like if you say that people don't know exactly what you just said, but they'll agree a lot. Like, Oh yes, yes, I see. Yes. <laughs> and at the end of the day, the doctor is the foot fist Frankenstein, right? Mm-hmm. He, he can be, if he wants it. No, see, that's, that's where we um, split up, right? Classic Frankenstein. It's Dr. Frankenstein, right? Like that's who Frankenstein is. And then it's the monster. Yeah. But if you really think about it, Dr. Frankenstein makes his own life. He makes his own son. So that's really Frankenstein 2. Like, the monster really is his son, so he would be called Frankenstein anyway. At least that's the logic I work on, you know? So it's... I mean, that was one of the factors I did go, go into, like, with the story, right? Like... Uh, two, well, a few things were like really like once I set once I set myself to use Frankenstein's monster, I had to be like one. I have to figure out a way to call him Frankenstein because if not, I get every yeah. internet nerd going. <laughs> well, actually, the monster is called the monster, and he's the doctor. I was like, oh, good, good, good for you. Thank you, good. You know, which is you know, I knew that was coming, so I do actually address it in the book. So that's good. Um, The other thing was like the time, the timelines, right? If I want Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and my premise is this is the same monster from her book. It's just after her book. Like this is like a follow up. Like what was next in Frankenstein's, you know, the monster's journey. Right. Oh, okay. So after he wandered across the ice at the end of the book, he studied Kung Fu. Well, I I worked on the premise that he kept wandering and he wanders into Tibet. Okay. You know, because, I mean, it's just like he's already in sort of a pulled, colder region. So I think it'd be possible to sort of stretch and bend the truth enough that he could find his ways into, like, a mountainy, like, you know, area. And, like, most lot of Kung Fu tropes, you always find these Sha- the Shaolin Temple or this ancient temple with these, like, grand masters at it. So... You know, I work with that premise. Like that's that's where my story like begins. It's like you know, a few pages in, I recap for everybody like like the Mary Shelley like real quick cliff notes, and then we go right into like okay, now he finds this monastery, and then the story be that story begins. You know, nice. It seemed like just based on looking through the stuff that you posted on the Kickstarter, you're. The art seems a little inspired by Frank Miller in particular. Was that an influence? On the- oh yeah, he's um, Miller's one of my more direct art influences. It's like uh, Frank Miller, Jack Kirby, Walt Simonson, Jim Steranko, Alex Toth, and um, like Craig Russell, right? 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a very design oriented uh, artist and creator. Like, uh, if you think of people like, say, uh, Bernie Wrightson, right, who's an amazing illustrator. Or someone like Art Adams, again, amazing illustrator, and they can do all this tight line work and, and really like cross hatch and like flesh the whole environment out. I tend to be more design oriented, so I gravitate more towards Miller or Mike Mignola, like on that aspect. I, I'm using shapes and forms rather than a lot of cross hatching and hyper detailing. Um, my background is I worked in graphic design for several years and I studied graphic design as well when I was in school. So I have a natural affinity to that. And I found from being in and around the comic book world, the indie comic book world for, for over 20 some years that I got the best reactions to the art when it was more going towards that design oriented rather than me trying to force myself you know, kind of to be somebody I wasn't like to try to, you know, be that like, you know, it's like, I love guys like John Byrne, but like, I'm not stylistically John Byrne, you know, it's cool because it has a kind of like a Western kind of feel to it with the colors and stuff. So I think like a wandering, uh, you know, Frankenstein uh, Kung Fu artist, uh, you know, Kung Fu uh, person, like really that's the, that style fits it. I think it puts a nice kind of cool twist on it. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, I really did try to craft it. So it was not just trying to be some sort of a manga lift. Like I, I, I obviously I look at things like video games and movies and TV shows. And of course, like all different, like, like anime and manga as well. But I still had to be like, kind of true to my own weird, like sort of eighties kids roots where it's like when I would watch, you know, Kung Fu theater, it was like a dub of a dub, right? Like, so I was getting a weird, um, like distillation into like me growing up in my like everyday mindset of like how I could craft, you know, this story. So it's as much, you know, influenced by, uh, you know, Street Fighter or the legend of Kung Fu as it is things like Blade of the Immortal or other like anime and mangas that you could see out there. Um, But I did sort of make I didn't I didn't like dive heavily into like the the tropes of manga, if you will. Okay. yeah. Now, uh, I got to ask a bunch of people are bringing this up on YouTube is. Is there any particular, like, you basically you took Frankenstein's monster and you combined him with another trope, like another sort of, like, very classic thing, a kung fu, right? Yeah. Is there, are there any other comic book characters that you might want to see mashed up with Frankenstein or you think that might be fun That's, mashed up with Frankenstein? Don't, don't lead, the, don't lead like, the guest. Like, I'm just sort of thinking, like... <laughs> I don't know. I just kind of kind of want to throw well, something you know, out here. It's oh, kind yeah, of funny ahead. because I think some of them are like like the Hulk. A hundred percent is. Um, yeah. I, I think uh, characters like uh, probably like Pitt and and some of those others are oh, yeah. you know, in that vein. Um, it, you know, it's funny because like I remember all the seventies horror comics that Marvel put out. Like that was like a big influence on me. So I remember things like Werewolf by Night and Tomb of Dracula. Oh, yeah. And so like 
I've seen, you know, I've seen, I've read all the, like, you know, the Batman Red Rain or like the Superman Frankenstein and stuff like that. So like, to me, I see it more that like a lot of superheroes already built on and did the mashup of Frankenstein. Now we're just so used to them that we don't see it. We don't like, like digest it. We're like, it's just there in front of us, you know? Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I feel like if Marvel did something where it was a little more obvious where they were mashing up Frankenstein with another character, like, let's say they took, I don't know, what are the street, what are the street level characters? Pete, do you have any ideas? Daredevil? Frank and Daredevil. That's Frank it. Frank and yeah. Daredevil. That's Frank and Spider-Man. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Well, I mean, I love when Tony Moore and those guys did Frankenstein. Like that was an <laughs> awesome. <laughs> really good. No, it wasn't. Was good. Nope. No, we were wasn't. leading we were leading you to that answer. <laughs> no. So I, I kind of figured it when you guys were playing around with Daredevil. I was like, oh, but my actually my favorite one <laughs> is the Dan Brayton Monster Island. Like it's one of the last yeah. bits yeah. of that run because like he draws monsters like his own like stylized way that's like it's you know he nobody paints exactly like him. And so, like, when you're reading, like, the Nocturnals or something like that, it's a yeah, lot yeah, of, again, yeah. like, Halloween and monstery tropes, but he mixes it with, like, gangsters and the mob and organized crime and, like, weird, like, Cthulhu sci-fi. So it's like, oh, yeah, it's, it's I mean, I enjoyed Frankenstein a ton, but I enjoyed it more for the monster side of it rather than, like, oh, Punisher's now got a bigger gun. I'm like, that's always been the Punisher. I... I know guys who love the like military and 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 like like that aspect of the Punisher, and I like more like either the superhero or like the we like the weirder monster thing. Like I'm a Kirby kid. Like you give me Quarg and Gorg, you have to fight it out with the Martian man, or Beta Ray Bill shows up and has to like punch it out with something. I'm like I'm there. I'm there. You know. Yeah. Before we let you go, it's on Kickstarter. It's successful, I think. You already made the money that you need to make to make the book. Yeah, we're we we're into the first stretch goal. So nice. I, we met the first threshold. Thank you. We met the first threshold. Uh, now the first threshold, uh, the stretch goal is unlocked, which is cool because now really anybody who backs the 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 paper, like the book level, the analog level. Really, essentially, what happens is you get an upgrade from that level to the $80 level. You just sort of leapfrog into that now. Um, I, I structured all the rewards in sort of like a building like tier, and then all the stretch goals basically unlock that for the other tiers below them. So everyone who has supported gets a really nice upgrade, and everybody who jumps on now, like you instantly go from like boop to like up to here, which is nice. That's yeah. great. Awesome. Well, uh, everybody, definitely check it out. Good luck with the Kickstarter, Tom. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We really yeah, appreciate man. It. Great talking so to you. Much. Yeah, well, thanks, guys. To you. Bye. Yeah. Good luck. See ya. All right, everybody. Foot Fist Frankenstein. Check that out. Wow, we got a dog here. I didn't <laughs> yeah. Know we had a surprise guest on the show. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Piv had, wants to say a couple things. Uh, he. I booked him last week to come on the show. He was really busy. He hates what's happening right now for sure. <laughs> but I gave a tiny piece of turkey to lure him here. Oh, very sweet. And, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put down a tiny piece of turkey to lure our next guest into the stream. As wow. Well. Uh, not to cut off the puppy times, but. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I didn't, I didn't hope put us behind on schedule. Alan. <laughs> 
well, our next guest is, uh, I'll give him a little time to lock in here. He is uh, one of our favorite writers. Oh, so we have time. We have dog time. We do have time. I'm going to lure a whole menagerie of animals. Up here, okay? Pull them out of your tree, Justin. Exactly. You want to meet a bird and a bunch <laughs> of fucking eggs? <laughs> uh, one of our favorite writers, Sean Lewis, everybody. Hello. Hey. Hey. Sean, welcome. Hey. Thank you. Hey. How was the, we, left a, we left a little Sorry. piece of turkey out for you. Did you get it? Did you eat it? I For me? It's very confusing if I you were trying to log in at the time. I got, oh, I was trying to log in. I got no turkey. I, the dog's awesome, though. Oh, okay. Thank you. Right, yeah. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for coming <laughs> by. Uh, very excited to chat with you because your new Image Comic Books, Bliss, launches tomorrow. I believe. Yeah. Uh, yes, it does. It does. Exciting exciting. Moment. <laughs> and we won't get into any spoilers necessarily, but the book's great. Sure. Yeah. Really good. We read Thanks. the first issue. Thank you for sending it off. Oh, that's great. Always yeah. good. Always original. Everything that comes from you. Uh, but for those who haven't read anything about the book, uh, what's the spoiler-free pitch for it? Um, it's so not about Frankenstein. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, have you thought about mashing it up? Thanks, Sean. (laughs) (laughs) It made made me rethink everything, actually. Um, basically, how do do I describe this, uh, without wasting anybody's time? Um, there's a drug in this town called Feral City called Bliss, and people who are addicted to it, when they take it, they perspire, they cry, um, and the water that comes out of their body slips into cracks in the ground and it floats down a river to the goddess Leth, who is the goddess of oblivion in, in Greek literature. And um, she needs a hitman on Earth to kind of like make sure that her spot doesn't get blown. And so she finds this guy whose kid is really sick and is just like, hey, you know, it's a very Faustian kind of deal. Like, uh, your kid could die or you could become our hitman. And he's kind of left with making that decision uh i don't think it's a spoiler to say like he decides to become the hitman uh, that would be like <laughs> that's, 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 that's the great version of it. <laughs> great well news. one of the things that i really liked about the first issue again without getting into spoilers is just the way that you structured it everything that you've just mentioned in the plot just very slowly unfolds you start with a big scene where you're not quite sure what's going on as a reader and it slowly adds information over the course of the first issue. A lot of this I'm sure will make sense to people once they actually read it, but how do you structure something like that? How do you, how do you, well, uh, again, I'm kind of like bouncing around specifically what happens to the issue, but when you're tackling a first issue with a very big, very high concept like that, how do you approach it? What are you laying down first? I mean, it's always, I think every issue is really different and I still write really, really from gut. Um, my background, you know, I've been working in theater as a playwright for like over a decade. So I've been really, I mean, I'm, I'm working on stories all the time. I, I was directing theater too. So like, like up until the past year. So, um, you know, so I'm around it all the time. So I feel like I'm just, you preternaturally just start to trust yourself more. I mean, this one was really influenced by like when I was in like fifth or sixth grade, I, I had to read um, 12 Angry Men uh, that the, 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 the Fonda film is based on. And I remember when it got described to me by my English teacher, I was like, oh, this sounds like bullshit. This sounds horrible, right? Like, mm-hmm. like a bunch of people are going to sit in a room and decide if someone's guilty. That just sounds like the worst moment of my life. And then right when we were starting to – Kate and I were talking about doing a new book after Coyotes. I, I had also just watched um, The Social Network. I'm a big Fincher fan. 
And that was another movie that I was like, you know, I was watching it. I'm like, if someone, if someone like who, who didn't know how to describe this, describe this to me, I would be like, that movie sounds like shit. Like a guy builds a website. And then for the next two hours, we watch affidavits and like, yeah, like court scenes about a website. I'm like, this sounds fucking horrible. And there was a part <laughs> of the challenge in that is I was like, oh, that just sounds so static. Like, can I create, like, I don't think it's spoiling anything to say, like, there's, there's courtroom scenes that we move in and out of. And so I was like, oh man, I remember how much I was really like blown away and surprised by 12 Angry Men. And I fucking love the social network. And both of those movies feel like they shouldn't, those drama works feel like they shouldn't work. And so when I sat down with this, I was like, okay, I, I know I'm going to work in the courtroom because that seems like something I could really fail at. That sounds great. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so that was the start. Wow, you're chasing then, a um, lot of dragons, man. Yeah. <laughs> Playwright, comic book writer. I love it. <laughs> well, just it, just it seemed exciting. Kate and I had gone through a couple of different ideas after Coyotes, and, and we would start going down a path, and they never worked. And then this one, as soon as we started talking about it and I started thinking about it and thinking of, like, all the ways it could be a disaster, then it was like, oh, this, could, this is the one. And so structurally, it was a lot of going, like, okay, the – how, how do I bounce back and back and back and forth and use time? I mean, a lot of the book as, as you read on is going to be a lot about the, the importance of context and perception towards who we think is guilty or innocent and, and what do we think is right or wrong? Cause I think like morally, I think moral shift constantly and, and we ignore that, which is weird to me. Like, like yeah. the world's so different than when I was in like grade school or middle school. Like the idea of someone being out and gay when I was in middle school was not possible. Like not for them to have like any reasonable form of life in our school. And now like the world has shifted so much that I'm like the idea of not accepting someone who's gay or straight, the morality has shifted where it's like there's no way you could be in school and be like, I don't like gay kids. Like yeah. you, you would be like chased out. You know, it's funny seeing it As change 180 and like absolutely like i agree with the with the change of that but it also makes me think of like oh as as morality shifts here and moves you know it, our perception goes with it so the courtroom and the time shifts became a lot for me a way of going like okay how can i show different moments of this from different perspectives so that the audience themselves are getting this kind of rashomon you know kurosawa type effect of of yeah we're getting heady today i had a little bit of gin so i'll apologize ahead of time. yeah um <laughs> But yeah, it just made me like a lot of it was uh, was trying to wrestle with like how do you deal with redemption and forgiveness in a modern age, especially one that sometimes isn't great with context. So like, so how do you manipulate perception and shift? It became how we started looking at. So when I'm structuring the book, I'm thinking about, I'm kind of thinking about that more than I'm thinking about like Joseph Campbell or Hero's Journey. I'm thinking more gut wise of like, what's the surprise or what's the perception shift for the audience that will make them go from I thought this and literally within one scene I now think this. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. I think so. The thing that I really love (laughs) about the book is (laughs) well, you have all of those things are going on in the book and all these big heady ideas and these very deep ideas but it's all through a family drama. It's all about a son trying to defend his father and that's what really gives you that emotional hook there. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so glad you guys read it. There's so many times I do interviews and the book hasn't been read, and it's just so strange. So it's like, oh, no, you read it. This is amazing. Um, Yeah, you know, that was – I mean, it's always – it's. I mean, there's always a need for a personal hook, I think, an emotional hook for the audience, just just like from the writer's standpoint. 
But I think like this one was a little bit different because we didn't plan on it this way, but a lot of my own personal story with my dad ended up kind of filtering into the real story as I was writing. And that's, that's actually a testament to Kate, you know, like we don't, I've never worked with an editor for better or worse in comics. I probably should. Um, but Kate and I end up editing each other, right? Like we, we have full ownership of the book and we trust each other a lot, especially coming off coyotes and, so there's just been times where she's like, ah, you know, I read that scene and it just doesn't feel that honest. Or me and her, I'll have a long conversation when we're talking about an issue and then I'll go back and write. And a lot of times the long conversation, you know, we, we're pretty good friends at this point. We'll dive into like some real things. So, so weirdly, like my dad and myself have been creeping into that primary story like more and more. Definitely more than I expected or, or wanted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <it> happened. <laughs> I love the, the the fact that you're reaching for so many big ideas and sort of that all, in a lot of your work, I feel like you have both the narrative ideas and the big ideas that you want to put on the table working concurrently. And I feel like that's so rare in any medium, really, but especially comics where it feels like there's so much depth and sort of onion to every aspect of it. That's I mean, thanks. That's really cool to hear. I mean, it's definitely what I aspire to. I mean, you know, when I made the when I made the transition from theater to comics, um, what was interesting to me, like when I got into theater, the reason why I was obsessed with it early on is like, I was really obsessed with playwrights like Sam Shepard and Tony Kushner and Ibsen. Like Shepard probably isn't put in the same level, but like Kushner and Ibsen are, are social playwrights, right? Like yeah. they, they write about politics and social issues really heavily. Um, and they also like have a lot of unlikable narrators, which yeah. I miss and love that like you really have to deal with. Um, and Shepard had a wild theatricality that I was dug. So when I moved into comics, it was really early on, like working with with Hayden. I worked with Hayden Sherman, who I did these books, The Few and Thumbs. I met him at the exact same time that I met Caitlin and started working on Coyotes. And the first thing that hit me is I was like, holy shit, you guys can draw anything. Like, <laughs> like so the possi- like the possibilities were like really huge. Like as a theater artist, I was working in like 99 seat theater. So like you know, the options are not as big. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to have the angel <laughs> descend in your basement theater uh, <laughs> production. Absolutely. That, that the angels is a tough one to pull off in someone's yeah. garage. True. Um, you know, so, so it was just cool with them. I was like, Oh, I can do anything. So if I have that much leeway, I really should try and meet it. You know, like, like the books should be as, as big. Cause you know, I do think it at a certain point, theater was starting to get really hard for me in the sense that I felt like I had to keep like tailoring my vision down in order to get produced. Like the shows just kept getting smaller, like literally to the point where like most of what I was doing as a playwright, the the last five years of when I was super active were solo shows because they were the only thing I could get produced. Right. You know, I I would write them, I would perform them. I basically directed them and I would travel the country. They did well, but it was like, there was a part of me that I'm like, I want to write fucking angels. Like I, yeah. I want to write Hamlet machine. Like I want to write these big, <laughs> crazy fucking plays. And I don't feel like that's available. And like, those are plays that also that I'm like, angels is like, when you talk about like the emotional matched with like these larger concepts and the political and religion, I just started realizing with Kate and Hayden, I was like, Holy shit, I can write angels every time. If I, if I, <laughs> yeah. if I, if I, uh, I can aspire. Such to. a great line. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I like I can aspire to it's, it's arrogant. I mean, that, I mean, that's a masterwork. But like I definitely could now start approaching commas going like and I think that's why I'm like it is very true that with 
Bliss, it was, I think with a lot of the books, Bliss and Thumbs, there was things in both of them where I was like, oh, this could fail horribly. Like if this, if I make some mistakes, this is going to be very bad. And in a lot of ways, that was what made it most exciting is I'm like, oh, the, where it can go bad is in the big thought, right? Like I don't, I'm not worried about the, the, the emotional scenes or the character work or, or Caitlin and Hayden's art at all. It's like, oh, it'll, it'll only fail if I really fuck up the larger concept. <laughs> but that got exciting is I'm like, oh, I can at least deal with it. You know, I can try. Well, uh, speaking of the art, it's really amazing, especially like the colors and toning and stuff like that really kind of sets a mood that really fits the story, which is great. And the kind of like creepy dudes or entities in the hot tub thing, that freaked me the fuck out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Kate's a genius, man. I mean, part of it is like, so working backwards, like, we call them the mob gods. So they're like, they're like, they're like, they're like, <laughs> they're like, so like if you read a script, it'll say like mob gods appear. And like, so for anyone who hasn't read the book, they're like these three godlike amphibian type characters who also seem like mafioso figures yeah. in a way. Um, part of that is, you know, like at the beginning of conceiving, I just turned to Kate and I was like, what do you want to draw? And she was like, I want to draw some like really big turtles and like crocodiles and frogs. And I was like, oh, wow. Fucking oh. Not what I thought. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. Not what I thought you were going to say. Uh, but like, like it's a very I mean, you guys work in improv a lot. It's a very yes and relationship. Between yeah, it's me nice. It's like, well, there it's the best. And it gets me like you guys know, too. It gets you thinking out of your own thing is I'm like, oh, I would have wrote a very traditional noir book. And then the moment she's like, yeah, I think there's going to be like a seven foot female turtle god. And I was like, oh, shit. OK, um, I'll let, give me two days. <laughs> so like so like it's a lot of that of working with Kate of like and also knowing her style and knowing like what is going to make her really excel and yeah. be able to show off everything she can do. You know, like early on when me and her worked together, she got hired by somebody to do a work for hire job. And I remember she, she was not having a good time on it. And I remember she showed me some of the pages and I got really mad. I was like, these people don't know what the fuck they have. Like you're so, like, she's so good. And I was looking at these pages and I'm like, why are they having you draw this? This is like a waste. I don't know <laughs> why they car. hired you to do this. Yeah, yeah, it's absurd. I'm like, I don't understand why you you would do this. Like it'd be like hiring Fiona Apple, or uh, I mean Fiona Staples, and being like, uh, "We want you to just do skyscrapers," and you'd be like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" Um, <laughs> so like, so like it was a lot of talking with Kate of like, "What do you want to do, and what do you want to, what do you want to draw?" And like, art wise, she's a lunatic, man. She does crazy <laughs> shit. Like yeah. she's paint, she's painting, she's painting all of our covers in oil. She wow. the way she's doing the art for all of these, like part of the mood you're talking about is. She does the pencils digitally and then she prints them out and she does the inks traditionally all by hand, ink and paper, uh, ink and paper. Then she redoes it and does all the colors after it. It takes, it takes forever. Yeah. And I'm always just going like, Kate, no, no one does this. You don't, you don't have to put yourself through this. You don't have to do this, but you have to keep doing this. It looks amazing. (laughs) But at the same time, when I say you don't have to do this, I mean, keep doing it. Um, yeah, <laughs> dear God, never stop. Hey, we got a question here from the comments from Josh. Josh wants to know, says, I really love coyotes. Are you going to explore that world anymore or is the book closed? I would love to. I mean, I would I would I would absolutely love to do more coyotes. I mean, it's really uh, I mean, in Kate's ballpark, like it takes 
because of the way Kate works, it takes a long time. So she does photo reference for every single panel of a, of a book. Wow. So she hires actors in Rochester. She travels from New York City to Rochester. Wow. The Rock, baby, what's up? That's Pete's hometown. Uh, so. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. He's got to do a long yeah, fanfare for this now. Oh, Talk about yeah. Garbage Play. Play, dude. Come on, but, man. Go to Kodak. Everyone in, well, well, Pete, Kodak? Everybody in, Kodak's from there. I had to do a project on Rochester in second oh, grade. Yeah, man. I remember that. Second grade? Where are you from? And how did you get stuck with Rochester? As your project? <laughs> Orange, hey. Orange County, New York. Orange wow. County, they were like, New you're New going York. after Rochester. Sorry, dude. Yeah. It was sorry about well every every person and every character you see in bliss is someone from rochester it's a photograph of somebody from well pete did you Um, recognize the anybody any shapes any faces that all your parents pete (laughs) yeah now that i'm thinking about it they look really weirdly familiar but it's funny you say that because the the main kind of character for I was like, it really looks like Lin Manuel Miranda a little bit. Like, had a little. We feel get that, of that a lot. Yeah, <laughs> we definitely get that a lot. Speaking um, of theater, that, that was not purpose. Just, just it, it, that's just a friend of hers that she met uh, through another friend who does web comics. Who plays the? Sorry, the, the woman who um, plays Mabel, who's the mom, is a draws web comics. Is, is pretty successful with it. And then the the dad is a guy that she knew. So it's just oh, kind cool. of been like person by person. I mean, it, but yeah, Coyotes, I would love to do more. It's it's possible that we will down the line, but it'll be a little bit until we go back. I, I have more stories for that universe for sure. Nice. Uh, I'm curious to hear from you, given that you're releasing a comic from Image Comics and I don't know if you're aware, a pretty interesting time for the world. Uh, what's uh, what's been different now about putting together and putting out Bliss through Image versus the previous books that you've done? Uh, marketing's been a motherfucker, uh, <laughs> to say the least. You know, we um, we started marketing this in January, or February, and we had a lot of mom- like just general momentum on on social media and in some other places. So we were tracking really well. And then obviously COVID hit. We didn't know when we were coming out, and it it definitely affects the affects like your expectations of the book and there's just been a lot of scrambling right because like everything stopped and then it's like you're coming back people some people have been furloughed you know you're you're trying to figure out like how how all of that operates i think the biggest thing is just trying to figure out it's always the same problem though i find the biggest problem covid or non-covid is getting people to be aware of non-marvel dc books yeah because like we, we can market the shit out of them all like this happened with thumbs that got so much more press than any other book I'd ever done. And I still had people on a regular basis on Twitter going like, video looks cool. When's it come out? And I'd be like, it's been out for four months. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like come along. Uh, so it's yeah. that part is always really hard. Otherwise it's just like, I don't know. I mean, luckily an image it's, it's so much like a collective, you know, um, in a, in a way, and and Caitlin and I are our own little island with the book that, that we've just kept working on it, so we haven't felt a stop. Um, but we're definitely like we're definitely nervous about tomorrow. <laughs> about tomorrow, at least it's gotten better. Yeah, it's absolutely the book is great though. Yeah, so regardless of anything, nice. I think those who do check it out are going to love it. It's a gorgeous book, like you were saying. It's a really well written <sighs> book. Uh, and for anybody who is on the fence about picking up, it's also like just on the surface a very weird 
good mystical crime story is, I think, how I'd sell it a little bit. Yeah. Um, there's a lot more stuff going on, obviously, as we discussed, but great book. Definitely pick it up. Sean, Thanks. congratulations. Thank you so much for coming on. Always great talking to you. Yeah, thanks for having me. Great, yeah. great talking to you, Sean. Yeah. Stay out of Rochester. Stay out of Rochester. <laughs> no, don't. Love Stay it. Stay out of Rochester. Stay out of Rochester. <laughs> Why would I didn't you... say straight out of Rochester. That's <laughs> straight out of Rochester. Uh, so yeah, once again, that was Sean Lewis. And the book is called Bliss. Number one is out tomorrow. Or if you're listening to the podcast, it's probably out right now. So go Woo. pick it up from Image wherever comic books are sold. It really is great. Um, that's a little bit of a spoiler for our Stack podcast where we're going to be talking about it more tomorrow, Wednesday at 9 a.m. But for the moment, we're going to turn to our next section, which is my favorite section because you all make it up. It's your audience question. Yeah. <laughs> And for those questions, there's two ways you can get them in. If you're watching on YouTube, just drop them in the comments over there. Also, while you're doing that, give us a little bit of the old thumbs up. We always like that on YouTube. If you're on Crowdcast, see a bunch of questions already in Ask a Question. You can drop those right there, and we will go through them. Uh, first one we got here, one that's been bumped to the top from Kevin. Follow up on Frankenstein. What are some of your other favorite iterations of public domain characters in comics? Ooh, Ooh. in comics. Yeah, public domain Damn. characters in comics. Public domain. Um, obviously, um, Alex loves Batman and Superman versus werewolves and vampires. Right, right. Um, obviously. Yes, that's... when I think public domain characters, I think <laughs> werewolves. <laughs> well... <laughs> When before it got to the comics part, my first thought was the uh, animated Robin Hood, where he's the fox. That's you know that's one of my favorite public domain characters. <laughs> that's a crazy answer. I will say that is one of my favorite Disney movies. All right. Uh, in the comments, Edward Doherty says John Carter, um, which Alex, when we went to see John Carter, from oh Mars, my god, is this Alex my walked out of the doing? <laughs> uh, Alex walked out of the movie and said, "That's the next Star Wars." Yeah. <laughs> True. Not what I said. What I said is yeah, arguably worse, which was this could be this generation Star Wars. <laughs> that is even worse. <laughs> that is oh, worse. Man. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think of. Uh, uh, I will say Tom Kelly, one of our guests, uh, calls out Wizard of Oz and Scotty Young and uh, what's his name? Eric Shanauer's Wizard of yep. Oz books that they did for Marvel. Great. So good. Uh, Eric Schenner is an Oz scholar, so he like brings all of this nuance in there. Uh, but such a good story. So much fun. Yeah. I know there, there are some, but I can't think of any right now. League of Extraordinary Gentlemen got a shout out. Yes, that's a good one. That's a great movie. Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you, there are times that I feel like when you see Dracula pop up in Marvel Comics or something like that, it feels like a little bit of a cheat to me because they've already got these Marvel characters. You can create a new vampire or something like that. You don't have to use these names that have been used over and over and over again. Um, so I don't know. Oh, Mike Padeke says all of fables. I think that's probably another good answer there. Uh, that's good. But yeah, also, though, I hear you, but the uh, Deadpool gauntlet kind of series did a really great job with Dracula and that that was fun sometimes it's fun to see the you know the big name yeah yeah 
You could do good stuff. I, I just think I'd I'd rather watch the original characters. That's all. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, over on YouTube, uh, CT Cook said, "Oh boy," uh, said, "If oh, some boy. D-level Marvel characters fell on hard times and had to make a porno spoof of the Avengers, who would be in it?" I mean, I feel like wow. D-Man is right just, there, right? What a what a complicated question that is. So it's D-list heroes playing A-list heroes in a pornographic film. Yes. Great. I'm sure yeah. there's a porn of that. You can just go to, you know, Pornhub or whatever and just watch it, I'm sure. I'm not You're sure, Pete? The website, Pete. I'm, I'm sure it's got to be there. Pete, there could are, you send they've me? They've made porns out of everything. Send me a clip. <laughs> Would you mind? Yeah, actually, no. if you could just send me a screenshot of your search history, Pete, without <laughs> delay, yeah. so you don't have time to delete anything, that would be great. Uh, uh, Stiltman could be a porno Iron Man. Yeah, that's pretty good. Uh, probably basically any Daredevil character. I feel like they just fit right in. I don't know. The Owl is Wolverine. Oh, nice. Wait, are you saying the Daredevil characters are like, so close to making a, a pornographic film as it is. Have you ever read a Daredevil comic book? They're like <laughs> no. right on the edge. No, I haven't. All that Catholic <laughs> stuff, I guess. There's just like this very, there's real pent up tension going on there. Yeah. Uh, we got, let's move over to Crowdcast. Pete's Punisher Slipper says, uh, if the D-list Marvel characters made a point, no, oh, no, I'm kidding. Uh, Peace Punisher <laughs> Slipper says, <laughs> could you imagine if that was every question? Tonight? But it's like someone's uh, on set and they're like, we got all these actors and we got to roll on this porno film. Uh, quick, get some ideas from those comic book guys. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the battle between good and evil fought by muscular men in spandex, if you were a wrestler, would you be a good guy or a bad guy? And would you have a gimmick? Wow. Wow. Oh, man. If you were a wrestler. I think I would be a bad guy. Yeah. A heel. Yeah. Um, you and Alex both. Really? Are you yeah. saying you'd be a good guy? That's right. Tell me more. What's uh, your thing? I, you know, I would just be traveling around the Western, uh, you know, the wrestling world, uh, you know, fighting crime and saving the day, you know, in the ring. <laughs> what? <laughs> what know. crime? What ring crimes are you I'm, fighting? You know, like, well, I you know I would fight bad guys like you and Alex in the ring. You'd be oh, a okay. ref. <laughs> you'd be. I know barely anything about wrestling. You'd be like Vince McMahon, just yelling on the. Oh, that would be fun. He does. That would be fun yeah. to be not I've, Vince I've McMahon, really but seen like gifs and memes of him. So I'm assuming that's what he does. He's a maniac. Uh, talked about. No matter where he is, he's a maniac. Okay. Um. I would want to be, yeah, I would want to be in like a duo. What if the three of us were a, a trio? Oh, yeah. Uh, That'd be fun. Do you remember, do you remember when we went to see wrestling at the Barclays? Oh, Center? man. Right at the beginning of the pandemic. That feels it, like a lifetime ago. It, it really was does. truly, wasn't that like March 6th or something? Yeah, something like that. Where we were like, <laughs> I don't know if we should be here. Well, and we anyway. were like, we are going and we're there. <laughs> Um, oh boy. That's crazy. That was the last thing we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Before we died, and now we're in hell. Uh the question from the big over on YouTube. Hey, the any big. truth that Marvel wants to bring back John Bernthal for Punisher? Hmm. Hmm. I feel like Spicy. this is something we've been talking about for months, if not years at this point, whenever Punisher was last on, uh, where John Bernthal, I think it arguably was great as the yes. Punisher, right, Pete? Yes, agreed. 
Yeah. Uh, but oh, sorry. Uh, before you move on, Alex, um, I just want to say I was about to introduce Thomas Jane, who's in the tree with me, <laughs> but he's crying right now because he heard you say that. P. I'm so oh, sorry. Man. Thomas Jane, I loved you. I loved you, but then I John- loved you. Past tense. He's right here. I just said he's right here. Well, you know, we had a time, and then Johnny B came along, and I found oh a new my love. God, you're a you're a cruel. Oh, that's rude. God, he was going to air a special screening of Dirty Laundry. Oh, oh I'll be there. Now, this is weird because I shouldn't be able to see this, but right now Thomas Jane is slicing himself to pieces <laughs> and then sewing himself back up as some sort of. A public domain monster that I can't really think of the title of, the name of right now. I thought you were going to say Jigsaw. No. (laughs) Um, I don't know if Frankencastle is in the public domain, Alex. That is definitely a property owned by Marvel Comics and will be coming back soon. Nope. Yeah. I think you got to rate 33 years that everybody will be using Frankencastle in their stories, right? (laughs) (laughs) I hope not. Uh, but as for truth to the rumor, I mean, we probably know as well as you do, but uh, I'll say the same thing that I feel like we said months ago about this. Uh, they're just rumors as far as anybody knows, but John Bernthal of anybody in the Netflix canon is probably a star that Marvel would want in their movies. So if they want a Punisher... I don't think it would be a bad idea to bring him back. I thought I saw something that they were they were going to uh, try to shoot more Punisher like TV show stuff. I think uh, that's the same thing. That's just wishful thinking on the part. Yeah, did you read that in your dream journal? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, News written in Ryanstone.biz. Um, yeah, but I, I'd like to see him again. I think that would be good. Uh, I would I think if they are going to bring that back to Punisher in any capacity, he would get the first call. Yeah, I agree. Ben the Border Collie says uh, more Punisher stuff. So if the Punisher with a bigger gut is off the table, what element of another comic character <laughs> what is going on today? What element of another comic character would you like to see enlarged? Uh, what? Oh, everyone's again. a very horny group here tonight. <laughs> a lot is going on. Everyone's been in lockdown. See, I've been in this tree having sex with all sorts of things. <laughs> um, oh, my God. Enlarged, an enlarged item on another hero's persona. I would like to see an enlarged heart on Cyclops. He's cold as oh. fuck. Wow. Or do you mean like a, a medical condition where his heart is enlarged? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd like to oh, see yeah. Cyclops have a heart attack. <laughs> um, what if Wolverine's claws were just like one big claw that came out? <laughs> I am. I mean, I'm sure. Like I'm a giant for, middle finger. I feel like if I looked for one second, I'd find a drawing Rob Liefeld did of this or something. But I'm surprised <laughs> nobody drew like Wolverine with his claws from like three feet long. Oh, Definitely. There's yeah. been, I feel like so many people just extend those claws. Like how long, how large are Wolverine's claws just off the top of your head? And Pete, remember when you're answering this question that he has to be a short man. That's important. Yeah. I think it's like eight inches or something is his claws. <laughs> wow. No, I heard the claws are four foot three. Yeah. No. They claws so how, three. how tall is he ideally, Pete? He's five, three, five, five three. three. I heard the claws started his toes and come all the way out when he fully extends them. <laughs> <laughs> the it's his toes clinging to the inside of his hand when he yeah. Edward fully says snicked. I would like it if the Flash suddenly had clown feet. Uh, great Ooh. idea. That's, <laughs> that's fun. I would. That would be fun. 
Uh, Nelson Martinez says, after that gut-wrenching last moment of the last episode of Stargirl, how do you guys feel that JSA will react? And what snack food does Mikey wear on his clothes, use as a sign project, and or eat in the next episode? Uh, we won't get into spoilers if you haven't watched this week's Stargirl, because some epic, actually super sad things happened, yes. as we talked about on our Stargirl podcast. Um, but what do you think? How How long is it going to take for them the JSA, the young JSA to recover from this. I mean, with Courtney in the leadership role, it won't take long. She moves very quickly uh, through her emotions to like save the day or get revenge, like whatever, however you want to say it. Um, So I think it'll be fast. I'm hoping for like a, um, for as far as like a food situation, um, you know, I'm hoping Mikey kind of gets into pop rocks and like the Mentos exploding in Coke bottles and stuff like that. Um, more prank foods. Yeah, more prank foods. But I'm also hoping because we saw uh, Mikey showing his heart a little bit more. So I'm hoping maybe we'll get like a real melodramatic Mikey at a fire eating s'mores, like spilling his guts mm-hmm. a little bit. You know what I mean? Like sharing yes. his. There's no more emotional food than s'mores at a campfire. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything he could eat, Alex, that you think would be like eat it in a funny way? Uh, Like a like a like a funny thing that he could eat. Like something funny that he might. Oh, you know what'd be kind of funny actually if he started sucking on a cheese. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus, it took you long enough, Zalvin, to catch on what he was doing. (laughs) Alex still won a lot. Do you think there is another thing that maybe someone could eat? That would be funny, maybe during a podcast. Do you know what? It uh, took me a minute. It took me a minute because that's a savory food. And as we know, Mikey on Stargirl only eats uh, sweet food. Oh, my God. So, Let me uh, say, um, I want to track back this video and see the moment when you realized what I was saying. Because I think your eyes popped like for a yeah, second. And then, like, but then you maintained. Oh, you're like, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it uh, popped. And then he tried to recover and be like, be cool. Pete didn't yeah, notice. I got this. I know what's happening. Um, oh I God. think um, Mikey should he should expand his palate, and he should get into some real like high end caviar, um, or like uh, fine wines or something. You know, really fine wines definitely fits with his character. Or what's that um, cuisine that you it was really popular like in six, during Succession in that area, uh, the or- Orleans or something, where it's a, a bird you eat whole and you can't look at it. Because it's there's too much shame to eat. Oh right, yeah, you gotta, yeah. Anybody yeah, know what I'm that. talking about? Yeah, I kind of know what you're talking about. Uh, yeah, he'll definitely do. That. Josh says, "What the fuck?" Look it up. <laughs> it's a real thing. Yeah, isn't that like? Yeah, that's a. It's a little bird that they basically like deep fry, and it's a baby bird or something. And you just it's a baby it bird. Uh, let me look up the actual word. It's called like de, de Orleans, uh, I think. And I thought you, you truly- were just. Trying to queue up sucking on a cheesesteak again here. <laughs> I mean, I technically. It was so I, awkward. I was like, oh, this has got to be another bit. No. Uh, do you have um, a sucking on a baby bird um, sound up? <laughs> yeah, play? give me a second. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, I think uh, Mikey will probably start sucking on a cheese baby no. bird. Uh, <laughs> it's called Ortolan. Okay. Uh, and you have to put a napkin over your head because it's shameful to eat it because you're eating a baby bird. Oh, man. Wow. Jeez. Uh, let's, 
Take another question. How about that? Uh, this is no, I have more to say about this. <laughs> <laughs> this is from Beer Cat PhD. It seems in the last 50 to 20 years, we've seen a proliferation in comics being translated into TV and movies. What do you think makes comics an appetitive source material? Are there specific mm. elements you think make these translations more or less successful? I mean, I think the big thing that a lot of people call out is they're essentially storyboards. Like, they rarely use them as that. But it's so easy to say, here, I have this thing. This is what it looks like. Read this. It takes a shorter amount of time than handing you a screenplay. It's just much more direct. Like, it cuts out a little bit of the middle process. Yeah, here's my business business answer. Um, in, in the last, like, 15, 20 years, so much of uh, making film and television has been about uh, developing IP. And the beauty of comic books is you can very quickly generate IP um, in comic book form. And then to Alex's point, it's much easier to sell something when there's a visual component because people who are have the money, uh, you got to really convince them. <laughs> and uh, to be able to give have that visual object, you can leave them, really helps sell it. But I do think also from a just storytelling perspective, uh, comic books are we've been getting more episodic i think with movies and tv uh, i think in comic books are just inherently that and it's about like having the story go on forever so if you have a successful tv or film franchise you want to be able to go on forever uh, the other part of it too is that i mean first of all like they're successful so they're going to want to make more of them but also you have the people who actually know comics and understand comics in the right way or of the right age to be making these movies. You know, you had, I don't want to slag off anything in particular, but like in the seventies, in the eighties, there were a lot of people who were like, yeah, yeah, comic books are popular. Let's make something like that. That'll be fun. It's cheesy, right? Like, like they read back in the fifties and sixties. So they were trying to take these eighties comics and make them in a sixties and seventies style. Then you had people who saw that, they didn't like it, <laughs> they mm. grew up understanding and loving comics in a different way, and finally they have the power to be like, no, 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 this is how you make a comic book movie, and uh, there you go. I don't know. So hopefully that answers that question. Um, yeah. We, let's see, uh, question from Nick Kelly, whatever happened to Pete, what do you want to plug? Um, mm, that's a good question. I was actually thinking about that during our last podcast. I think we started doing so many podcasts with different social networks that I started doing the full outro and yeah. stopped prompting you guys to do it. Do you want to go back to that? Yeah, I, I feel like that was the only time that Pete and I could really shine during the podcast. And so I really feel it was the one time when I feel like I didn't have to interrupt someone to say something. And wow. so it's really <laughs> so I miss it. Yeah. Pete, is there anything you want to plug before we go? Nope. Great. <laughs> Pete, that, that was your cue. Oh, I ruined it. Man. Check out Rochester. <laughs> Check out Have a garbage plate. Have a day. Oh, my gosh. All right. From Edward Doherty, a Sandman audiobook is released. Do you think a visual medium like comics can be converted into an audio format? And if so, what comic stories would be suitable? Uh, and a couple of comments on that, actually. Beercat PhD Ooh. says, I think the Wolverine podcast worked really well, but that wasn't an adaptation, so shrug. And First Hand Up Guy says, there are audio comics for people who are vision impaired. The Miss Marvel one was pretty good. Graphicaudio.net. But what do you think about that, specifically the Sandman thing? Do you think 
that's something that is a good idea to put in an audio format. Bad idea. What's your take on it? Of any comic, I think Sandman's a good choice because it's uh, almost uh, written from a literary perspective and you don't, the visuals are hugely important because I do think it's actually hard to translate most comics into audio, but Sandman is an easier one. It's very verbose. And I think you could flesh it out with some more like sound design and atmospheric sound. Pete, you have a take on this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, it's tough. I mean, I very much uh, mainly want to did all of Marvel's Wolverine um, and uh, it was enjoyable, but it was also frustrating for me because I really my imagination is great, but I've gotten used to so many amazing artists and it was kind of like, oh, man, if so and so would have done this, this would have been so cool. Mm. Did they, when you were listening to the Wolverine podcast, were they? Very you mean Marvel's Wolverine? Marvel's Wolverine. Did they? Was there narration where they're they're like a man exactly five foot three with eight inch claws walks yeah. in? So yeah, it's okay. great. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. They were really faithful to the thing. <laughs> his claws come all the way from his toes up his leg through his butthole and then out his hands. <laughs> Uh, we got a matchup for you all from Nelson Martinez on YouTube. Who wins in an epic battle? The Umbrella Ooh. Academy Seven versus the Seven from the Boys. Ooh. Well, Umbrella Academy hasn't. We haven't seen them actually fight together. They're right. always fighting each other. So I would say the Boys. Um, even though the Boys don't really do good at that either. So it might be just a shit show, and could be anybody wins. I feel like the Umbrella Academy, the boys, um, Umbrella Academy would win. The the boys are always so close to losing every time. Like oh, but this is the, this is the seven from the boys. Oh, the seven from the oh, boys. the yeah, seven from the boys. Oh, the seven. Uh, yeah, I think interesting. The seven. It's basically like the JLA versus a bunch of fuck ups who don't want to work with each other. Yeah, exactly. Like us. Yeah. <laughs> Easy question. Easy. Uh, ben the Border Collier says, if you could pick one comic character to get Palm Springs with, which and why? And for those Ooh. of you who haven't seen Palm Springs on Hulu yet, first of all, it's great. Second of all, it's a Groundhog Day-esque film where Christine Milati and Andy Samberg get stuck in a time loop together. So who would you want to get stuck in a time loop with Pete? Hmm. Mm. I don't know. I mean, part of me really wants to say uh, Hulk because eventually once we hung out a bunch and he calmed down and then turned back into uh, Dr. Banner, we could probably figure some shit out, you know? Wow. Thank you for using the term doctor when you describe Dr. Banner. That's mad respect. Yeah. Uh, Justin, you got an answer? Who would you want to be Palm Springs with? That's a, yeah, that's a tough, that's someone you can really hang with. Silver Sable? Is that who you're going to say? I don't know if there's a romantic aspect here. Right. Just, it's not necessarily something you're somebody you're trying to romance. It's just somebody you want to hang out with a lot. Yeah, that's a great point. But didn't uh, they end up together in the movie? Yes, but it's not specifically like the well, plot of Pop I think that's, a, that's part of the question. Wait, are you trying to say that you want to hook up with the Hulk? No. You just said, or Dr. Banner. <laughs> <laughs> or both. Yeah. It's a classic. It depends on the night. Uh, <laughs> I, I'd throw out uh, Hercules. I think would be a lot of fun. You get drinking, buddy. Wasted. Oh, man. Get very tired. But 
Also, he would have one million stories, and it would definitely be very enjoyable for a very long time. Yeah, so Galactus. Galactus. Galactus would be fun. That guy's got some, he's got some stories. Yeah, he, he's seen some stuff in his time, I think. Uh, question from Bandito740. Has Justin ever elbow-dropped a plastic table in the parking lot outside of New Era Field? Wow. Oh, that's a question. very Buffalo-specific question. I love it. Um, I have not uh, – I have been up to bad choices in that parking lot. I've never um, done the done the folding table thing. Um, oh. We went to a game – You can't uh, wear that hat then. You're a poser. You can't you a poser. take that – but yeah, I do are. plenty of I do plenty of Buffalo Bill fan <laughs> things in my life. There are plenty of things. Uh, we went to a game and it was it was a the December twenty eighth game Ooh. I think from maybe three seasons ago. It was pouring rain that froze while we were watching the game. And uh, the Ralph has no uh, New Era is the name of the the modern name, but the Ralph's the old name. And there's no uh, dome, so it, you're sitting in the freezing cold. You're right there. It was so fun. I've I've been there for that. Oh, now awful. when you say uh, Buffalo Bill type fan things, are you talking about dancing around in a dress made of human skin, or what are we talking about? Wow, I'm talking yeah, I'm talking about putting the lotion in the basket. I'm talking about all the things you expect. Um, that's my life, and that's why I live in this uh, murder tree, murder forest, murder basement. Nice question from Mike Beneke. Following Tenet's delay, what will be the first comic book movie to actually debut in movie theaters, even though some major North American cities still have closed movie theaters? I think Black Widow. Yeah, probably. I mean, that's one that they're actually going to hold for a while, right? Until things are potentially a little safer uh, or outdoor movie theaters are more prevalent across the United States. One of the two. Yeah, well, the Northeast isn't going to we're see our season's running out for old outdoor. Uh, I saw today people. Some people are going to start to do uh, boat theaters. You're going to get in boats Ooh. and watch the movie on the water. That's that some... seems fun and romantic and dangerous. Um, I, I just don't think like so much of the market is in New York and Los Angeles. And right now, knock on wood, we're doing okay in New York, but it's still not safe for people to go to movie theaters. Los Angeles is at a crisis right now. So I don't, I don't think movie theaters are going to open for the rest of the year, honestly. And that means things are just going to head to home if they seem like a dicey bet or if they seem like a sure bet like Black Widow, they're just going to wait until it's safe, yeah. specifically on the two coasts. <clears throat> well, they got to give us something to live for, so you, they're going to hold it. You know? Yeah, I guess so. Um, but yeah, somebody <laughs> said New Mutants. I think uh, eventually they're going to pull the trigger on that one and just put that on streaming. They might even announce that this week. They have a panel at Comic-Con, which oh. seems inexplicable unless they're announcing that. You know, That would, that would be great. Yeah. Um, Did you have something about your day job you wanted to tie into that or just no? Who, me? You're flexing. Uh, Yeah, uh, you, Justin. Anything you want to say about your day job? uh, My day job is just uh, catching bugs that I eat in this tree. Um, (laughs) So let's see. It's a living. It looks like you're losing too much weight, buddy. Yeah. I'm trying to really drop only very tiny proteins. Um, We got another one from Nelson Martinez over here. I just recently went backwards. Buying the comics of Lock and Key and the Boys after watching the TV series of both. What else would you guys recommend I get the comic of that's a TV adaptation? Hmm. hmm. TV adaptation. Old Guard. 
What? Old guard? Yeah, that's know. a good one. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, um, I mean, I'd honestly recommend the Umbrella Academy, the comic books, more than I would the TV series. Um, those are great. And Although Klaus is amazing in the TV show. Klaus is amazing in the TV show, but those comics are so good. You got amazing, amazing arts, uh, art in the books. Um, highly recommend checking them out. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say... Preacher. Um, I was going to say the Adventure Time comics um, are very good um, in a totally different direction. Yep. Uh, Nat mentions Runaways. Yes, absolutely. Always read Runaways. Absolutely fantastic. The Rainbow Rowl run that's going on right now is... So good. Awesome. Uh, the question, Nat, thanks for razzing us in the comments here, is to recommend the comic, not the TV show. So there you go. But something that was a TV show also. Yes. <laughs> Man, that okay. is so much Calm fun. Down, Nat. Jesus. All right, here we go. Uh, last question is oh, from Nat. Uh, we all know how we feel about <laughs> Frankencastle, but what is your favorite superhero monster mashup? <laughs> superhero Are monster mashup. Other ones other than Frankencastle? Uh, when Jubilee was a vampire. Oh, that's oh, a good right. one. Mm-hmm. Cap, uh, Cap Wolf, Wolf, another good yeah. one. Yeah. I mean, I don't wow. know if this counts, but most of the like Superman, Batman, Alien, Predator crossovers are surprisingly excellent. Ooh. They're real good. Um, I Actually, I know I said uh, when Jubilee was a vampire, but I feel like in X-Men comics, they made that choice, and then everyone was so scared to do anything with it. So it was just like a burden because uh, yeah. I th- also that was like she like Jubilee's a vampire and she has a son and now she's not a vampire but she still has a son and now she just maybe doesn't have the son really anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's back to sparkling. It's all good. Yeah. Um, I, I guess Frank confusing. It's confusing. I don't know why you would make Jubilee a vampire necessarily. Like she's pretty straightforward. She makes sparkles from her hands. You don't need to add more to that. Yeah, she's enough. She's she's enough. Let her be. Though she hasn't done anything. Like when? What was the last good Jubilee story? Uh, come on. The when they're in the Australian outback and she helps Wolverine get away from the Reavers. Great. So this this is the mid nineties. This is the first Jubilee story. Yeah, that's (laughs) that's what I'm talking about. Uh, yeah. There you go. All right, and that I think is enough for your audience question. Yeah, yeah. Wait, can we take a stab at uh, Kevin's quiz real quick to see if we can get this? Oh, sure. So we've had a bunch of secret quizzes on the podcast from the three hosts. Now the audience members are throwing their own secret quiz. Pete, what what do we know so far? We know it's four words, and we know the quiz is in in there. So one of the words is quiz. Okay. And it's something about 70s television also, I believe. Ooh. Mm. The Incredible Hulk quiz. Mm. Mm. Yeah? Kevin? Is that it? Huh? Kevin? (laughs) Don't have it. Uh, Well, this is uh, Shazam Isis Hour quiz, Mike Beneke says. Oh, I don't know if Kevin's even watching. uh, I'll tell you what. Little House on the Quiz. Oh, this is pretty good. The Captain Marvel quiz. The Super Friends quiz. Ooh, the Super Friends quiz. Super yeah, Friends quiz. That. 
Quizam. No, that's one word, Nat. All right, we're going to move on with our own quiz, which is trivia. For that, I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. All right. Pete LePage. Well, this is, uh, we just need a first hand up here for, oh, Mike is uh, first hand up. We got, if we can invite Mike in, uh, this is the part we give back to you, the lovely audience. Give you an opportunity to win 25 free dollars and a gift card to Midtown Comics online. So this is exciting stuff. Uh, and now I'll just mention also that Crowdcast, our platform over here, just added the ability to add more people into the quiz. So, Pete, if you ever want to try a head-to-head with two people competing. Wow. Ooh. That's, yeah, bring that in so no, he can rap. No, let's not uh, bring he can, it. Hey, hey, hey. Oh. oh, how are you? Hello. Ah, uh, yes, got the Superman oh. shirt popping. That's right. Fighting uh, to be better. Oh, all right. Uh, I'm so, sorry. Well, hopefully this quiz will make you better, Pete. All right. T- today's trivia is on topical comic news and Twitter. Uh, I'm going to read you. Winner. I'm going to read you a cool. question. Listen to all three possible answers. Get all three questions right. Twenty five dollars will be yours. And I can question double that in bitcoins, right? Yes, that yes. is correct. Okay. We will. We will pay you this <laughs> gift card in bitcoins. Yeah, on the uh, dark web, Midtown Comics cards are very, very uh, high in Bitcoin. All right, here we go. Question number one: Pandemics, uh, quarantine comics in the age of Rona, is a benefit anthology. With all the proceeds going to the Hero Hero Initiative, what platform is it on? Is it A, Patreon, B, GoFundMe, or is it C, Te Leone? So it's either A, or you could be wrong. A. A is correct. Wrong choice. All right, here we go. Question number two. DC tweeted out a pic. Of what character and said the person has been damaged by the events for the up and coming Batman three jokers. Is it a Batman B Jason Todd or is it C Erica Badu? So it's either a Batman or it's B Jason Todd. It's JT. That's right. JT says (laughs) JT says. Uh, here we go. Last one. Uh, Spider-Woman will celebrate its 100th issue in October. Who is the writer? Is it A, Carla Pacheco, B, Jessica Drew, or is it C, David Duchovny? So oh. it's either A, and you will win $25, <laughs> or you could be completely wrong. I wish it was C, but it's A. It is a (laughs) give Duchovny a chance. I say incredible. Congratulations. You have won a $25 gift card to Midtown comics. Shoot us an email at comic book club live at gmail.com. And we will get you all set up. Mike feel better. Thank you for coming on. All right. Thank you guys. Take care of yourself. Bye. All right. Now, Pete, you have a secret sub quiz. Taylione. Erica. Erica. And we should probably mention, Today is Robin Williams' birthday. So That's what is right. the movie that he is most identified with that you have brought up for this quiz? That's Pete, right. take it away. Well, this movie that he's in is written and directed by David Duchovny, uh, and it is The House of D. Edward Doherty was correct. Yes, wow. absolutely. I, everybody was posting pics and 
gifts today from House of D. Yeah. Remembering Robin Williams' role. Rest in, in peace, Robin Williams. Rest in peace. That's how he wanted to be remembered. House of D. <laughs> hey, man. Box, box office, $388,000. Thank you, Edward. Wow. <laughs> That's very bad. <laughs> Jesus. All right. Well, as we know, tomorrow is new comic book day. What are you looking forward to? Pete, what are you checking out? What are you excited to read? Well, I'll tell you what. Uh, I'm really looking forward to Batman number 95. Uh, mm. Shit is cray cray. And uh, I've been really enjoying it. Justin, what about you? Uh, I'm looking forward to Low. Low is back from Rick Remender. What? One of my favorite series. It's coming up to the finale rack of Low. And man, um, I can't wait to see um, how he's going to bring this epic and no doubt tragic story to an end. Yeah, wow. uh, I'm looking forward to Chew number one, and this is CHU number one, but from John Lehman. It is a kind of prequel, kind of tie in to the original series Chew, but with a new artist this time. Um, love that book. Excited to see what they do with this one. We are going to have reviews of all of those on our Stack podcast, which posts in the Comic Book Club feed and its own Stack feed Wednesday at 9 a.m. So check all of those out and that folks is it that's it for the show thank you all for tuning in we also want to thank our amazing guests for coming on the show once again tom kelly check out foot fist frankenstein sean lewis check out bliss from image comics that's out tomorrow wednesday which is maybe today who even knows a couple of things on our end pete is there anything you want to plug uh, yeah, you know, guys, make sure you follow Nat Townsend on Twitter. He's going to get punched in the face as soon as I'm allowed outside. So enjoy him now before he's dead. That's also right. not his name, <laughs> but close. Um, and of course, follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live. Yeah. Uh, also, a couple of things to plug other than that. Next week's guests are Alex Fire Firer? Fuhrer? Do you yeah, know I, think fi- so I think Firer. Fire, uh, the writer of Rick and Morty Bird Person Number One. We're also going to have Corey Lewis, the writer of Peng Action Sports Adventure from Oni Press, is going to be here. You should check out Star Guys, our Star Girl podcast. Let's hear it for the boys, our boys podcast. Umbrella Podcademy, our Umbrella Academy podcast. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support this and all of the other shows that we do. iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the shows. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. That's it. Good night, everybody. Good night, guys. See Bye, you soon. Pip. Thanks for tuning in. Yeah, he's right here in my lap. Bye.